touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the A-Slut Podcast that of course stands for Advice, Sex, Love, Understanding and Trust. We talk about all things sexual, relationship-wise, polyamorous, alternative lifestyles, swinging, kink, all sorts of that fun stuff. And if you ever want to get in touch with the show you can do so by DMing into the Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. Instagram, all at the A Slot Podcast. You're always welcome to do that. You can always email the show at the A Slot Podcast at gmail.com. I always love hearing from you guys, so let's get into it. It's a flame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love, every time I hear drums, and I envy the road. Okay, so once again, welcome back everybody. We're here, once again, for another episode here. Now, I know I was in the middle of uh, a multi-part series around dark, edgy kink and all of that sort of stuff, but I thought we'd break the monotony a little The monotony. I'm already getting tongue-tied, guys, and it's, uh, we're what? Two minutes into the whole episode, so this is going to be a good one. Now, um, yeah, so we're going to break the monotony a little bit. Um, we're going to postpone the consensual non-consent episode, and we're going to have an interview today. We don't really have too many interviews anymore, which is just great. If you think that you have something you could bring to the show and that you want to be interviewed for it, do, do, do. Let me know. Um... I'm always happy to have people on and talk about stuff and learn new things, so feel feel free to do that. Uh, all the contact details were just told a moment ago, so it shouldn't be difficult to reach me anymore, guys. Come on. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're gonna be talking with the the wonderful, the the beautiful, the truly luscious uh, Mandy Gamble today, and we we talk a lot about. Um, a lot about sex work and how how Mandy got into it, um, all of the sorts of things that she had to go through, some of the trials and tribulations of what she had to do, how she's gotten out of it, um, the aw- awesome, awesome work that she did in coordination with the NZPC, which is the, I think it's New Zealand Prostitutes Collective, uh, and how she became an advocate for sex workers around New Zealand as well. Um, so that was really, really cool to, to talk to her about that. Um, and you'll hear a lot of it as well. There's We talk a little bit about kink, a little bit about uh, polyamory and and the, 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 the transferring or the... Yeah, I'll say transferring because I can't think of the proper word at the moment of going from monogamous to non-monogamy and and then coming back again um, and 
and how that's been sort of difficult and whatnot as well. So we talk a little bit about that uh, in this episode as well. So there's lots of things going on there. Now, I do need to remind you guys that I am on tour as well. I'm going to keep doing this every episode, guys, so get used to me talking about it. Uh, all of the dates and whatnot will be in the show notes. Um, I'll probably have one of the pictures on one of the posts that I make about this episode somewhere, um, so you'll all be able to see. I am still... I'm, I'm looking for people to talk to in each of these towns that I'm visiting as well. Uh, I really, really want to get to know everybody and how things differ between New Zealand and and the states where I'm going and the different, even the different states within the United States. Um, uh, each of them differs. At this point, it's likely I'll be presenting a class in Albuquerque, which will be fantastic. I might be having a speaking arrangement in Portland. Uh, I still need to get that confirmed as well, but. Everything else is, is really open on that. The other thing that I'd really like um, from from you guys as listeners is um, I'm going to bring going to be bringing a lot of my toys and stuff with me, um, and I want to know um, some of the better, I guess, adult or swinging or kink or whatever clubs that are around in the cities that I'm going to. Uh, that'd be really really cool to get into just dig myself into the scene over there, or scene, scenes, I guess I'm in multiple scenes, um, and and sort of just go through how that feels to me as well, and maybe even do a couple of reviews and things like that uh, on those sorts of things. So if you have any recommendations for anything like that in any of the towns that I'm going to, please, 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 please send them through. Uh, it'll be really, really cool for me to... For me to learn about that sort of style, not learn, I guess, experience um, the differences between different places. Uh, and that would be really, really awesome for me as well. But I guess I've, I've waffled on enough now. Um, the dulcet tones of Tom Lehrer have cleared off well and truly by this point. That's who sings the intro song to this. It's a great song called The Masochism Tango by Tom Lehrer. It's done way back in, I think, the 50s or 60s, um, which is just adds to how good it really is I think um, but yeah without any further fucking around my lovely little sluts let's start our chat with Mandy Gamble and as always please enjoy
Okay, so welcome to the show, Miss Mandy Gamble. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. The rustling of paper has begun already. <laughs> I've got to have my notes. I've got to have my notes, man. So It has to be at my eye level because I cannot see. <laughs> Twelve years later, I lived in darkness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. So for, for those of the... Those are the people who listen. Most of my listeners are from the States, surprisingly. I don't know why they deal with this fucking accent the whole time. But they're not going to know who you are. Um, so why don't you introduce yourself a little? Um, I had an adult industry career that lasted for over a decade. It covered sex work, pro-dom, stripping, and cam work. Cam work, which was viewed mostly in the States as well, ironically. Um, yeah, damn Americans are pervs. Yeah, I left in late 2016, and I've been working in the sunshine world ever since. In the what world, sorry? In the sunshine Sunshine world. world. Yeah, you know, where you see sunshine instead of closed curtains and UV lights. Ah, fair enough. It does exist. That's it a does. nice way to put it. I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we've known each other a, a while now. I, would, I, would I don't know say. how long. It's Yeah, a I, while. I, I have zero idea as, as to how long. Um, I don't and, know how I met you. I just always knew you. I'm that kind of guy, I think. <laughs> to be honest, it was probably through Dolly. Yes, very likely. Probably through Dolly, who has been a guest on this podcast way back in, I think it was even episode three or four. Oh, uh, yes, I remember that one. That 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 long ago. Yeah, so you, you actually listen to the podcast, which is awesome, because I feel as though half my guests don't, and they just like come in and they don't know what's hit them, so it's kind of cool that you've actually listen to a few and 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 I hope enjoy them. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. So you you said now that you've stepped out into the, the, the sunshine world as it were. Um how long have you been in the, the sunshine world? Um it was very late two thousand sixteen, so a year and a bit. Late two thousand sixteen. Two years and a bit. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I was going to say, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about how bad maths were with another friend of mine, and it was quite funny that now that that's come over to here and the maths is just as atrocious. It's it, okay, it's, it's okay. It's I don't quite... have to do maths in my sunshine job. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a lot of writing. Um, but you, you've got something of a... Uh, uh, it, an interesting story as to how you got involved in in sex work, and we're gonna I'm gonna put a little bit of a trigger warning out there for some people um, in this part because it's it's not 100% nice, but we're just gonna touch on it briefly um, as we go through. We won't go into details or anything like that. It's just how'd you get involved? Um, I came from a really abusive background. Trials at home wasn't safe. I ran away at the age of 16 and started working in a brothel to support myself while I was in high school. At 16 years old? Yeah. Oof. That's that's cannot be the easiest thing to do. It was easier than what I had. Yep. And do you think that's that this is sort of a common way that people get involved with sex work? Is that they're fleeing something that's not great for them and it's it's a necessity thing very much so it's a horrible stereotype but it is true there are so many women and men that are given an out by the chance of disposable money mm -hmm. and um it's it's probably not that, that we, we do have to say that there is the the 
converse of this as well, where it's not just um, these people that have come from a broken background or anything like that. It is people who choose to do it as well, right? Oh, very much so. My mentor herself, she didn't come from an abusive background. She was amazing and strong and built her business from the ground up. And did she sort of take you under her wing and whatnot when you came in? Or? Yes, she did. And this this wasn't at the start of my career. This was more towards the middle, about 2012. Mm-hmm. And I had a drug overdose on her floor. Yeah, and she decided after that moment to to show me how to do the job to maximize its potential. Right. So you could earn more money. Yes. <laughs> and and pro- potentially enjoy yourself a little bit more than what you perhaps were as well. Yeah, it gave me structure when it, I really needed it. Yeah. So how tough was it at, at 16 you've had to escape a bad situation and you and, you know, sort of on the streets sort of kind of thing and, you know, you fall into this into this position where you need to you need to um, sleep with people to supplement your living. Um, what's your sort of where's your head at during this sort of thing? Because it, it boggles my mind as to how anybody could be strong enough to do something like this. Well, if you look at the front of the botanical gardens in Christchurch, there is this giant tree next to the museum. Mm-hmm. I lived I lived in that tree. That was in, my home, along with six other people at my own age. Two of the girls worked with me, and they were the ones that got me into it. If you got overnight bookings, you had a bed for the night. Wow. But you, did, did you all sort of look after each other? Or? Yeah. Some girls would have bad weeks. Some girls would be withdrawing. It's just you take care of each other. You look after your own. It's kind of necessity, I guess. Again, exactly. I'll, I'll probably keep using that word quite a bit because it's it it is exactly what it is, isn't it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's heard the can drop. I've got flatmates and stuff moving all around me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's absolutely yeah, and it, it's I think it is kind of a bad stereotype as well that all people who who do sex work are broken or damaged or, or whatever as well, or drug addicts or anything like that. Um, obviously, there's the ones that are, but there's certainly a, a huge number that aren't as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, why, why do you think there's such a, there's this big negative stereotype around sex work and that sort of thing? People view it as, as physically dirty and then emotionally dirty as well because these are husbands, fathers, people that are in positions where you wouldn't imagine them doing this. They're asking for lewd acts. They're not just after what you would consider normal sex. And society doesn't view that as healthy. Uh, uh, until you get into the kink world. <laughs> and, then every, and then everyone's just like, hey, let's do all of the fucked up shit. All and at once, and we don't shame. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the, the, there's an interesting thing that I wanted to touch on there is, is the use of the word dirty. And I've I've talked about this. It was actually with with Dolly initially, and the the word dirty in this sort of in this sense and in terms of you know STIs and STDs and all that sort of stuff is all considered dirty. When <clears throat> with with the majority of sex workers, it's they're arguably arguably the most clean people that you'll find. 
Yes, definitely. Like testing was every six weeks for me. Mm-hmm. And then you get your, your HIVs and all the other bloods done every three months. That uh, uh, yeah, well, exactly, because it's your livelihood, right? Exactly. And if you get sick, not even just sick from an STI, but sick, sick, that's your income gone. Yeah. Um, especially if it's, you know, something that can be quite difficult to get rid of as yes. as a day and you can lose your income for an extended period of time, which, especially if you're in the situation that you found yourself in, it can be, you know, very close to life ending. If you if you can't find food or you can't get the money for food or a bed or anything like that, it can be quite... quite yeah, and then you've got the mental impact as well. Like, there's the stress of all of that as well, and that's just as damaging as the physical. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even think about the sort of the mental side of it as well. Yeah. So I lived in a fight-or-flight reflex constantly. But you've come through the other side now. Sometimes I think that. <laughs> right. Until there's a loud noise, and then I just curl up in the fetal position on the floor. <laughs> I had to fight the urge just then to clap out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I won't lie. I, I, I would have found that <laughs> quite amusing, but probably not so much fun for yourself with that. If people saw it, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is one of the few times where we're actually on video chat and I can see Mandy quite clearly and she says something of a fuzzy outline of me because of it's okay with that light behind you it's almost like a halo right now yeah so um, no no that's actually just a halo I I am a (laughs) heavenly creature if you say so hey (laughs) come on now that seemed unnecessary I I thought we all knew that I was a heavenly creature I'd never do anything naughty or anything like that I don't kink shame, it's fine. <laughs> is Angel a kink? God complex, could be. Similar. No, I just have a massive ego. That works. <laughs> it could be somebody else's kink. Yeah, probably. I think almost everything's a kink, let's be honest. <laughs> so, we, we, we had a brief talk about this as well, and... It's it's kind of a difficult thing to co- to try and, and quantify, in that like you got into the industry when you were sixteen. It's a pretty fucking tough place to be when you when you're sixteen years old. Um, and obviously you're not fully developed mentally, emotionally, or even physically by that point. Um, so how did getting into the industry at such a young age? How did that affect? Your development as you were going, as you were growing older, and and you know, growing up, for lack of a better term, because I don't believe you're grown up. <laughs> <laughs> I am a grown up. I am. In age alone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, so talk to us a little bit about how that sort of thing came through. It wasn't until recently that I noticed that it was. I had to be out of the industry for quite some time to realize that my mannerisms, my responses, even just my my natural instincts, they were not the same as everybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm used to <laughs> I'm used to working on a disposable income and my financial responsibilities were next to none because I could just make more money the next night. Mm-hmm. I'm on monthly pay right now and that hurts mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> oh yeah. It my, does, but it, it's good because I have to learn these things that I should have learned when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. 
It's just so it it's sort of stunted. Um, I guess what reality is when you're an adult. I guess very much so. Yeah. So you, and to be fair, I think when it comes to younger people our age, I think that they can't look after themselves for the most part anyway. I feel like I looked after myself really well, but I didn't. I didn't future-proof my life. I didn't right, right. have savings. I didn't have reliable vehicles. I just. I can just earn more next week. It doesn't matter. Everything was temporary. You still don't have reliable vehicles. I am borrowing one right now. Borrowing. Yes, it's reliable. It got me to the Kaimais and back. And had the what was the one that broke down on the way back from Auckland? I think it was from Auckland. Yes, I'm going to Auckland again to pick up a radiator. It will be fixed <laughs> and reliable. Oh, that's but here's it. I'm fixing a vehicle instead of just selling it. I'm fixing it and working on it. And that's part of the whole moving on from the sex industry. Yeah. Because I don't have that disposable income to just push back into that gap. The weird thing about that is I'm so bad at just not fixing cars. I, I, will, I, fl- I, I will flick them off, give it two weeks and buy another hunk of crap. <laughs> but here's the thing though like my current car i it's a piece of shit for anybody else who would look at it right it's a 1988 volvo oh no uh, no it's fucking magnificent it's you're so fucking trash. good huh you're a trash it's 1988 and it warms my butt okay i'm all that's up for right. bum heaters from a car that's older than i am yeah my one has bum heaters it's good yeah, it's absolutely fuck. It cost me four hundred dollars for the car. Oh wow! Plus two hundred and sixty-seven dollars to ship it down from Nelson. Nice. It um, it was all registered and warranted. It was all road legal and everything like that. It flew through its last warrant. It's fucking magnificent, and I'm so fucking happy that I've got this old <laughs> fucking. You're a grown up too. It's such a grown up. Dude, I am an old man now. Well, I'm so I work seventy hours a week. I do this thing, and that's about it. That's okay. Occasionally, <laughs> I get to see my play partner, which is fun. But yeah, that, that would suck. That's about once a month. Ouch. Yeah. Goodness. And well, the 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 other half of the problem is obviously I don't have enough time for a relationship, so it's just like you. Know, but nobody, no, nobody wants to sit here and fucking listen to me babble on about how fucking shitty my love life is. <laughs> I do. It makes me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Your love life's fantastic at the moment, from all accounts. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so you're quiet in the cheap seats over there. <laughs> Where were we? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So it took you a lot longer to sort of, so, to, for lack of a better term grow up and do adult things but you would have learned a lot of other things while going through this as well yeah like like what if you use corn flour and super glue you can you can clean up somebody's stab wound really quickly and stop them from dying (laughs) please don't tell me you ever had to do that jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i was 18 for that one Fucking hell. And did somebody tell you to do it or what? Well, I'm used to doing it um, on dogs. Used to doing it. Oh, with dogs, if you're in a breeding kennel, they sometimes tear an ear a little bit and you, you make up the solution and you put it on and it works. 
Right. And I didn't know if it would work for people, but it does, which is handy. Okay. Anything else that's not so quite fucking terrifying? To wear a new shoes, you just use a hairdryer and really thick socks, and that will save your ankles from blisters. A hairdryer? Yeah, you got to warm up the shoe with your feet in them with big socks on and walk around heaps, and that will wear in your shoe. These are the most random fucking life facts I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, this is this is my life. This is yeah, I'm special. <laughs> yeah, you're special, all right. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear, indeed. So, I guess a, a lot of people hear a lot of things around the negative side of of sex work and whatnot, and the the harsh realities that sex work can give you and all that sort of stuff. And you've just given the strangest look out a window or something like that. It was really distracting. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a bird outside. A bird. It's a pretty bird. You have you have a pretty bird in front of you. A fucking... Oh, I'm sorry. You are a pretty bird. Yeah, damn straight. You're like like a peacock. You pretty much are a peacock, really. I, I, okay. <laughs> I, I'd love to hear that your your reasoning for this. Egotistical show pony. I'm not that egotistical. I am a show you said pony. before, you admitted it. Yeah, I am a show pony, though. I will admit that. Yeah. I love being the centre of attention. <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone would believe me if I tried to deny that. But no. anyway, what are, what are the good points of being in the industry? Maybe not even just your own personally, but in general that you've sort of talked about or heard about or, or whatever well there's always the money mm-hmm. you can earn any amount you desire basically so long as you market yourself you work the correct hours you look after yourself and you look after your clients mm-hmm. but then there's also the other end of the spectrum where you learn so many transferable skills where if you know how to how to word them properly you can get into any job you want examples like crisis negotiation skills mm-hmm when you're being about to be assaulted by somebody in the middle of nowhere, yep. you can negotiate out of that crisis. Fair enough. What else? Even just basic housekeeping, how to do your taxes, how to keep everything in order, advertising hey, and marketing. I, I guess we should say at this point that uh, sex work is legal in New Zealand in, in all forms. Um, and you do have to do your taxes. Yeah. It, you're, you're essentially self-employed. I think is what they put yes. it under, isn't it? You're a contractor. Yeah. But so, there is no actual sex work label with the government, so you have to say you're an entertainer. It's the closest thing to it. Well, I mean, you're entertaining, aren't you? Exactly. Or at least you'd hope so. Had no complaints. I wouldn't know. <laughs> okay. Um, so it can actually set you up quite well, is what, is what you're saying, if you decide to yes. use your skills in a positive way. Exactly, and it's you've got to be a bit of a forward thinker to keep your head on. You've got to put money aside, you've got to pay your bills on time, build a client base, same as you would with any other business. Mm. Got to, got to have a little tenderness. <laughs> That does help too. That that that's all that came through my head when you were like, "You've got to, you've got to." <laughs> I stutter sometimes. I'm it can so- become problematic, especially when the person I'm talking to breaks out into song. But I'm such a fucking nerd. <laughs> hey, I like singing. What can I say? 
And if you hear any weird noises, by the way, in this mix, I'm trying to eat and drink while I'm, <laughs> while I'm covering this. Um, it's okay. I've got you dur- during your dinner time. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so professional on this program, guys. It's it's really just so so professional. I'm here. It makes it real. It's fine. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm here in my living room with my microphone. I I know I make it look all professional when I take all the photos and stuff like that, but it, this is really just in the middle of my lounge, or not in the middle, to the side of my lounge. With... Well, I'm in the middle of somebody else's lounge right now, so we're, we're one of <laughs> the same. Even better. I've got it's not even my lounge. I've I've got like a a, a I guess a clip on mic boom. So this little thing here that my mic's on is literally just clipped to a desk. It's not a stand. It's not anything fancy. Handy, though. So handy. It cost me like 15 bucks. I was like, fuck yes, that's me. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but yeah, so that'll explain all the weird noises and stuff. And <laughs> honestly, just like any of our podcasts, we've not been able to stay on topic for any question that I've asked you so far. <laughs> It makes it interesting. It's fine. It means that people cannot stop and skip because they don't know what they're missing. Yeah, fucking A. It's, hey, I'm an entertainer. And hey, we're talking about food. Chicken fries. Oh, wow. Goodness. (laughs) My flatmate's got me BK. That's fantastic. It is. It came out of the rent that they owe me. (laughs) For the week. Oh, dear me. I just have rotten vegetables in my house. Why rotten vegetables? Because I forget about them. No. If you yeah. have ki- if you have killed mushrooms, I I will be very upset. No, it's a whole bunch of courgettes. So they're just limp oh. green things. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the green part of that which is worrying. It's a vegetable. It's not a person. It's all right. <laughs> You you would be quite concerned if if you got with. Um... I have seen some interesting things in my time. Trust me. Oh, do tell, do tell. Okay. Give me all right, the I'm weird gonna, shit you. One got. second, I'm making sure nobody's eating around me. <laughs> I once had a guy who had some very badly done piercings in a ladder along the bottom of his penis, and then he I had to inspect it obviously, and it was not healing well. Oh dear. It, I could smell it from a foot away, and I just oh, went, you, you no. need to go to a doctor. No. Oh, that was probably one of the most horrific ones. I, I imagine it's it can be quite difficult to, I guess, keep it hygienic down there in, in summer, especially, because there's a lot of a lot of action, especially, was it, you said it was near the base, right? Um, on, Along the length. Along the length. At the bottom. It's so on the, the underside. Yeah. Oh, okay, at the bottom. See, that's yeah. where I got mixed up. At the bottom is the bottom yeah. of the shaft. But underneath. Sorry, I don't have one of those. I'm not too good at explaining it. It's, it'd be, <laughs> well, you wouldn't be able to see it very well either. And it, I imagine yeah. underneath it would be getting caught on stuff and you've got the... Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got the balls there, which it's slapping against half the time. Friction. <laughs> what a great Not word. the good kind. I love friction as a word. <laughs> It can it can explain a tense situation or it can explain something absolutely delightful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reminded of the old El Paso ad of why not both? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, when when you promo this, you have to get that picture. Yeah, why not both? <laughs> and you have to you have to listen to understand what it means. And it's not as nice as what you think. <laughs> 
Oh, dearie me. Give me some more freaky stories. Some more weird shit. I had a guy shit on the carpet once. Brilliant. And it, I literally uh, left to Obviously have a wasn't in a scat scene. No, it was after everything. He ah. was showered and ready to go. And like there were, there were bathrooms on, on site. I had no idea what had happened. I just walked in and went, no. <laughs> I'm hoping just you'd no. already been paid by this point. Oh, yes, yes, certainly. Take payment at the start, no matter yeah. what. Um, I had to put a kg of gummy bears up a man's anus. That was interesting. To be fair, that actually does sound kind of... But when they solidify, they're not the nicest to get out. Yeah, no, fair point. I I imagine you'd ingest a lot of sugar through that as well. Oh, certainly. That's going straight into your bloodstream. Yeah. No, I couldn't do that. I'd die. Nope. Not my jam. I'm diabetic. <laughs> okay, if you're diabetic, please don't put gummy bears up your rig. Please, this is a public service announcement. If you're not, if you're not diabetic and you do do it, send me a video. I want to see that shit. Yeah, that would be interesting. Well, you can't say it'd be interesting. You've done it. No, if someone to do it to themselves, oh, that'd that be would ma- be interesting. Yeah, I, I, just... I used an anal speculum. You can't just go fisting with gummy bears in your hand. It doesn't work like that. I reckon you could. No, because you can't release them. You can't open your hand. You just pull them straight back up. <laughs> All I'm getting images of now is just getting one gummy bear at a time and poking it in with a finger. <laughs> a care bear's off in the background shaking its head at you right now. <laughs> yeah, you had to bring fucking care bears into it. It came into my mind. I blame you. Why do you blame <laughs> me for that? You're directing the conversation. I, I am not. You're the one who started the conversation around bears. You want it interesting. Yep. What else you got? Is that it? Gosh. I have a few, but they're really a little too, too explicit to say. That's the first time anybody's ever said this on that podcast. podcast. If someone recognises my voice and I say them, I could get into a lot of trouble. Fair (laughs) enough, fair enough. They involve certain people that would be considered celebrities in New Zealand, and we don't want to breach confidentiality agreements. They don't concern me at all. They do for me, though. I don't fancy a lawsuit. I meant me being one of the celebrities. Aww, cute. So, for for those listening, there's almost a, a something of a of a power struggle that's been happening for about the last hour and a half between the two of us here, and that that was like a giant attempt at a power move, right there, which it's I natural. Hand, which I handed to you on a platter. Oh, really? If you didn't eat that up, I would have been severely disappointed in you. I couldn't see if you handed it to me on a platter. Your webcam is so terrible. You, you wouldn't need to. It's a metaphorical platter. I didn't get up and go to the kitchen that's behind me and go and grab an actual fucking platter. And you should just, have. And just they would have showed it, that you cared. And just put on it my dignity. Yes, that would be quite nice, actually. You would love my dignity. But the problem is... Do I you can... have your dignity? No! <laughs> I've been on the front page of the newspaper in a fucking man candy with half my left nut hanging out. Hey, I love that photo. I do. I don't know why. I just fucking love that photo so much. 
It's the, great. The worst part about it is the look on my face. I'm exhausted, and you can tell I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> it's about halfway through a kilometre run, and I'm just sitting there going, <gasps> <gasps> Hey, we're all like that. We are. I, I can run, like, 20Ks now, half marathons, but I still die. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually make that entire run, though, which is... That's fantastic. For me at the time, like, I'd, I'd been drinking most of the day. <laughs> So not just a running part of the fact that I made it back to where I was meant to go. That's a success. I Safety think so. First. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess um, people in general, society, wh- whatever you want to say, uh, sort of have ideas about what sex workers do, who they are, what kind of people they are. And we've touched a little bit on it already so far, right, on some views that people have. Uh, What are some key misconceptions, I guess, that you think people have of sex sex workers (laughs) and of the industry, I guess, not just the people in it? Daddy issues. Daddy issues. Speaking of daddy issues, here's Clifford. (laughs) 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 Sorry, my flatmate just walked in and and Mandy knows him quite well, so... (laughs) Well, yes, it's, I, I fit the stereotype. I do. I admit, yeah, daddy issues. So what? Mm-hmm. But I've worked with so many women that don't. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful because they are their own people. They don't try to compensate for anything. They don't try to use the clients as a filler for a person in their lives. Yeah. And that's beautiful to watch. Hmm. So why, why do you think that that misconception, how do you think that that sprung up? Um... Definitely in the media. You've got got memes, you've got movies that depict the same kind of relationship there, uh, TV shows, and it's it's all painting a negative picture. Didn't Pretty Woman have something around that as well? Like the iconic... I haven't actually seen that movie. (laughs) Uh, I need to. I feel like I need to. (laughs) It's the classic. You'd love to have Richard Gere pick you up and... At some point throughout a night, surely. I would have to judge him on the car, though. Like, it all depends on what kind of car a person drives. Pretty, pretty sure he has a Mercedes in the film. Yeah, that's Euro Trash. We've established Euro Trash. I am not trash. No, you are, but your car is. You say, no, you are, but your car is. No, you aren't. You uh, are not. I heard, no, you are, but your car is. I was like, hey. Hey, take it as you hear it. I'm not. <laughs> Exactly European. I am New Zealander with Scottish and French heritage. Stop staggering this conversation on. You can't win. And here we we go again with the whole fucking power struggle thing that's happening. Um, Which I'm, I'm annoyed because I was winning this quite helpfully earlier, but now that we're recording, I'm trying to be nice and you're taking advantage of it. You should know who I am. Yeah, I should. Know me long enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> very very true. So you you were in okay. So we've got daddy issues. Have we got anything else that you think? Well, there's the the dirty concept which we covered earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also got just the general image that everyone in the industry has some kind of unhealthy vice that they imbibe in drugs or alcohol mm. or all manner of things. And yeah, some people do, but the majority don't. I think you find with the majority of 
of sex workers. They look after themselves more than most people do. Very much so. They're very self-aware because they have to be because their body is their their career. Yeah, exactly. If you, I feel in some ways, um, if you gain a few pounds, you're no longer what one of your big spending regulars likes, and then they exactly. drop you and you can move on to another one. So you've got to get yeah. to what you're, for lack of a better term, we're going to go back to the entertainment thing, your audience yeah. likes. Exactly, and that's something I noticed from the start of my career to the end, is I started off as a size 8 to 10 blonde with big tits and long legs. No tattoos, and of course, that is the moneymaker right there. I had a huge clientele base, but as I aged... I, my shape changed. I grew curves. I started getting tattoos. I dyed my hair darker. And I had to work You still have harder. big tits and long hair. Uh, long legs. <laughs> Maybe I cut them off. Who knows? No, you didn't. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I had to work harder. I had to build more of a rapport with all the clientele mm -hmm. because they're not looking for looks when they talk to you. They want a conversation. They want an experience. Mm -hmm. And I upskilled. You learn, you take classes, you listen to other people, and it's it's your brand. You're just building upon your pre-existing brand. Yeah. The the experience thing um, is kind of interesting to me because you see in a lot of a lot of advertisements for, for sex workers and whatnot, you see the GFE, the girlfriend experience. Yes. And it's and like you said, it's not just about the sex as part of that. It's the intimacy and the and the well again experience that the person has been given in that situation yeah, intimacy and, is the key word there yes yeah. a next level and there, there are a lot of a lot of people who don't offer that as well because they might have a partner they might have something else and that side of it's kept for them or even for themselves personally but exactly you can still create an experience within that area you don't have to have all of this Yes, and part of what again. I did there was sensual massage, and that's not a penetration-based style of sex. It's a hot oil massage with body slides, and you've got breast sweeps. It's you can use ice as well to mix it up, ice and is that great. creates. That's great. It's great, but it's also extremely intimate. So there are some women that won't do massage, but they will do sex work, full service work, mm -hmm. and then you've got the opposite. And it, uh, I guess that just comes straight down to the individual. Right? Exactly. And and you didn't mind either way for yourself, or did you have some... Uh, I guess the best question is, what were your boundaries within sex work? Um, I actually had a lot of boundaries, and I think that's probably why I was able to last so long as I did in the industry. Mm -hmm. I I didn't kiss. I didn't provide certain services. I, I did overnighters, but I would not sleep. I didn't sleep in the same bed as a client. I didn't travel. And that helped me keep my head on my shoulders because that's what I, as a person, needed. And it's it, it takes somebody who is at least relatively emotionally intelligent to be able to sit there and go, this is where I'm going to draw the line and that's because that's who I am and that's what I want and that's how I'm going to be who I am. It took a few years to learn that and to learn that level of, emotional respect for myself mm -hmm. to feel something and instead of covering it up with something or pushing through you have to, to understand you've got to listen to yourself and process and figure out what is causing it mm. why and what you can do about it yeah absolutely and I think that no I completely lost what I was going to say 
<laughs> I, I think it's it's very difficult for people in general to be emotionally intelligent enough, uh, let alone, you know, being 16 as you were and going into this this huge machine, this huge monster that is... Oh, I don't want to use the word monster because it's not a negative thing. Juggernaut. Yeah, juggernaut's probably a good yeah. word. That is the sex industry and sitting there. And I feel as though people who are just going in for the first time or very early on tend to offer a lot more services or anything or something or, you know, things that might be a little bit out of their comfort zone um, purely so they can start getting that client base and going from that point. Would you say that that's accurate? Yeah, definitely. They also don't quite understand the emotional toll it takes to provide all of these extra services. It might just seem like something physical, but it does take it out of you. Mm. And it's a, a, a question that I got asked by a friend. I was talking to a friend of mine who was, um, but before we started talking, we were going through Messenger because you needed to travel across town to get to where you were going and all of that sort of, all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the, the question she asked, and I, I kind of had an answer, but not from an overwhelming um, sort of experience on the matter. Is it possible to establish and maintain emotional connections whilst doing sex work? It depends on the other person. Mm-hmm. I've I was in relationships where... They understood the industry, they understood me and my role in that industry, and then they understood myself and my role in the relationship. So Mm -hmm. that was possible. But these were people that had already been exposed to the industry before they met me. Mm -hmm. But then, for example, my my latest partner, there's no way I could do it. It just, it would rip me apart. Mm -hmm. Um, What about with clients? Or is that something you can do, or but is it's, it, is it something bad. that you sort of try and keep separate? You try, but there's always one or two that become regulars, and they become that regular that they're you could almost say sugar daddies, but not. But you can see them for coffee outside of work, and then you know that they're going to tip you twice as much the next time, or they'll bring you gifts, or you can make house calls to them when you leave the premises. So mm-hmm. it's hard. They always always get out of hand or almost always I should say not every single case but it's yeah. an unhealthy dependency forms there between both people yeah so have, have you had to pull back from a regular client yourself because of this or anything like that or yeah completely I had one and he actually lived I lived quite rural and I found out he lived 10 minutes down the road after I've been seeing him for ages and I started making house calls I figured it was by my house there's no problem with that and then he became very dependent. He became very needy. And then he saw my car at my driveway. And then he messaged me saying, oh, you live in the house with a silver fence, don't you? And I just felt my heart sink. Yeah, that gets a little bit a little bit scary then. Yeah, and then he was just messaging constantly. And then he'd be driving past and see me with like, my boyfriend at the time or even just a flatmate and then start asking questions. And I had to remind him it wasn't his place to ask such things. No. So at that point, do you just cut all tires or? Yes, you block everything. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing you can do. And if it does persist, just let the police know. Don't lay charges. It's not worth it at that point. But it's just good for the police to know that something is happening and it might escalate. Yeah. And 
Yeah, and it's it's definitely just a safety thing for your own well-being and whatnot, of course. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was I was going to ask is that there's a big difference between working on the street and working within an establishment. Yep. You've have you done both or? Yes, yeah. I have done both. What are some of the differences there, and and why would one choose one over another? Well, for a parlour, you've got security. You've normally got somebody taking bookings. You've got a pre-existing clientele base. Mm-hmm. You've got somebody warm and dry to do your work, and you work with others. And there's, there's generally no huge competition because in a parlour, it's either meet and greet or it's phone based. Yeah. Whereas on the street, it's you're either in with the others or you are not. It's cold. You don't have facilities available. It's a lot riskier. There's no, there are no cameras. There's no vetting of your clients, but there are less rules. Most parlors will have quite a strict set of rules to keep everybody in line. They have pricing as well. Mm-hmm. So when you're working for yourself on the street, you create your own pricing. It can change day to day depending on your needs. Mm-hmm. And say, for example, you do like to use certain enhancements for your night. I'm not going to say which drugs, but yep. most parlors won't allow that. But girls on the street, they need that to get through. And each to their own, in my eyes. Yeah, and and fair enough. So there's sort of positives and, neg- positives and negatives for either side then. Yeah. Which I, I think that people tend to frown more upon the ones in the streets than the ones in, in the parlours. Well, the ones in the streets are the ones that are in the media. Mm-hmm. You've got Mallory Manning, you've got Renee Duckminton, and those are probably the two most known murders that happened in Christchurch. Yeah. And they were both street workers. Mm. And they, they were, so again, a lot of my listeners aren't from New Zealand. They probably haven't heard these stories. These two young ladies, was it by the same person? It wasn't. No, no, no. They were different people. Apart. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, the only one that I know is Rebecca Duckmanton, who's the most recent one. Yeah. And she, her body was found in the Avon River. She was just picked up and had, the person had their way and that was the end of it and it was quite quite harrowing just to hear about that and, and it's really no no that scary. one was that one was Mallory Manning uh, Renee sorry. was the one whose yeah. body was burnt and left outside the city I actually worked sorry. with her and that's what chilled me so much when that happened and if you do search up all of the Radio NZ interviews that were done on her case I made several because mm. I hated that the girl's family didn't know what she did and they found out through the media and oh, no. she wasn't a drug addict. She wasn't any of the things they were trying to imply. And she was just a wonderful young woman. So I fought that and I had every interview I could. I was working in Auckland at the time and my boss was getting angry with me because I was just taking call after call. But I hate the stigmatization that comes along with the industry. Yeah. And and this brings us on to my next couple of points is how do you get out of sex work? I don't want to say get out, but... You know what I mean. Moved on to your next phase. Yeah. I didn't actually have a choice. I'd had some, some emotional times. I had a drug overdose, and then I, um, I, I got a body-wide staph infection, like red dots all over my entire body. Lovely. And the doctors took months to diagnose it. They couldn't. I figured out what it was. I had a huge tattoo on my arm, and I slept on a friend's floor. Uh. Infection. Yeah. But it took about six months for it to go away completely. And by then I was I was quite stable. I was comfortable. I'd found a job in a bar and I realized I was happy. So mm-hmm. I just stuck with what I had. 
Yeah, fair enough. And the the other cool thing from, from coming out of this, and it was like from what you were speaking about when you were on the Radio NZ interviews and stuff like that, is you became something of an advocate for sex workers through this period as well, didn't you? Yes. Um, it was just before that period, actually. I had another overdose on December 12th, 2015. And when I woke up, there was this amazing nurse in the hospital and she just took one look at me and went, you're going to make it through, but you've got to find something that makes the fire go hotter. You've got to find something that makes you want to keep going. And I didn't have, well, I didn't feel like I had anything by that point. I was just a sex worker. I, w I had my boyfriend at the time. He texted me while I was in hospital saying that I had to move out because he didn't want to wake up next to a dead body. And this nurse just kept my focus on building something. And then I created Project Exposed. And it was um, it was an advocacy service. We had an online forum. We still have the completely independent, what do you call it, a social media of sorts. And that one's amazing. We can always provide a link somewhere and something, I'm sure you can. But it's active yep, yep. and it works and it's completely safe. It's You can have whatever username you want. It's not connected to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, messenger just your email account which you can use a burner i don't think they care mm -hmm. and that's your safe place to discuss things like bad clients or ask for advice on things or even just advertising ideas mm -hmm. I, i'm gonna put that link in the show notes just so that yeah people, i will get um, it for you we'll know about it yeah yeah that'd be that'd be absolutely fantastic and obviously becoming an advocate you learned a lot about the the kind of girls that were that were needing help and things like that or and trying to decrease the stigmatization of, of sex workers and whatnot was a big part of it as well, wasn't it? Definitely. That was the main driving force was removing that stigmatization so that the industry would be a safer place, not just for workers, but for the clients. If they mm. feel comfortable asking questions or if they have more information, then they can make their own informed choices. And that and makes it crucial. better for everyone. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Makes it so much better for everyone because everyone's just sort of happy by that point, shortly, right? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you you would hope so. But um, just before we, we move on from the sex work side of things, we'll touch on it a little bit more as we continue on, but we have a couple of other things to talk about while we're going through this as well. Um, <clears throat> girls that are, or, or guys, I should say, people who want to get into the sex industry or have found themselves in that bad situation that they've had to go into it for, for money or whatnot. What are some some tips and some pointers that you would give to these people? If you're in one of the main centres in New Zealand, so Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, there are oh and Tarama, sorry. There's this organization called NZPC, mm -hmm. the New Zealand mm -hmm. Prostitutes Collective. And they're amazing. They can provide supplies, advice. There's a nurse usually visiting each main clinic and a counsellor. And I would say that's your best point of call. I, I actually used to deliver a lot of their goods. Um, well, I used to be a courier down here in Christchurch, and NZPC was one of my daily stops, and they'd get all their lube and all their condoms and all of their, <laughs> all of that sort of stuff, and it was uh, actually really, really cool. I'm going to put the link for that website as well um, in the show notes. It's it's just one of those places where you're looked after. Very much so. I would take every new girl in any parlour I was at there on a Wednesday night so they could go to the clinic, speak to the counsellor, and speak to the woman there. And I would just drop them off and have a cigarette on the balcony with Anna, the infamous Anna that 
ran the PC in Christchurch mm. for many years. And she'd just have a chat about the industry, ask how things were. And it was it was a second family. Mm. What else? What are some other pointers? Stay sober while you work. Mm-hmm. One drink, two drink, keep that your limit. If you get out of hand, that's when the client's going to notice. They'll see vulnerability. You could be, well, you're compromised. You could be injured. You could be ripped off. A whole manner of things could happen. Also, don't take drugs from clients. You never know what the fuck they've put in them. Mm-hmm. I've had so many girls foaming at the mouth on a floor that I've just had to charcoal them because they can't look after themselves. Mm-hmm. They've taken something from a client. They didn't know what it was, and it reacted badly with them. It, it seems like common sense. It seems you like think it, so. But, but these are vulnerable people that yeah. sometimes don't... They don't think about what's happening in the moment right now. Mm-hmm. Or, or so. where it's going to go in exactly. five, ten minutes. Yeah. It's like, okay, this seems like a good idea. Let's do it. Sums up my life. Yeah. <laughs> You've turned out all right, though. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> For the most part. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was a lot of information. A lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot of different stuff that we talked about there, which is which is awesome, which is so, so cool. And I've learned a whole bunch as well, which is half the reason I do this so that I can learn and, and the listeners can learn. So that's awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. The the next sort of part that I want to go into, and it does still kind of touch on, on the sex work a little bit, but the the sort of evolution, I guess, for lack of a better term, from moving from having sex as work to sex for pleasure, or even more so in my, in my sort of... Um, situation I guess for lack of a better term moving from kink for work to kink for pleasure how how does that sort of how did that work for you and what are some of the some of the things that you face while doing that I couldn't kink for pleasure while I was doing kink for work and it took me quite some time after leaving the industry to step back into the kink world but while I was in the industry I definitely did seek out people that were in the same circle of understanding as myself They'd been exposed to the industry either by close friends or family or they'd been in it themselves. Mm-hmm. So they understood that you know, there are certain things I didn't do in my work life and mm-hmm. I kept them just in my personal life and my sanity. And I'm going to go out there and say it though. I've found everything to be so much more comfortable for me since I left the industry. Mm-hmm. I found the, the oddest triggers though. Like I can't use latex condoms. Because okay. that smell, just I dissociate straight away. Right, right. But, um, yeah, it's definitely better for me. Yeah. It might not be for everybody, but I, I did come from a bad background, so of course I had a level of dissociation that was in place every time I worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what, um, what would you say are some of the poignant differences, I guess, between, you know, sex for work and sex? For pleasure with a partner that you're in love with or or whatever your personal life you can Just be spontaneous <laughs> right that's one of the best things it's it's not this you can go on the full journey time frame yeah yeah and yeah, you yeah. can just relax you don't have to watch a clock that's mm. a big thing i don't have a clock in my bedroom because it, it wouldn't work for me because every working room i've ever been in has had a clock it's all yeah. these little things yeah 
And I, I feel as if you decided if there was a clock in the room, then you'd sit there and go, oh shit, an hour's been up. And, yeah, exactly. And the, I whole totally body, and the whole body can shut down. It's a whole Pavlov theory, even, I guess. You know, an hour yeah. goes by, this is what needs to happen at this time, because that's what you're your body's so in tune with yeah well it was quite mechanical quite quite clinical and towards the end of my career i didn't even need the clocks i could just count by songs because you spend <laughs> like your first section doing shower and a massage and then you go into your your hand job blow job full sex and then they shower and they leave mm-hmm. and depending on the time frame those times differ but it's very mechanical it's clinical it's structured and it's very nice to just be a free spirit and do whatever you fancy doing in that time frame. Yeah. And so long as you don't have something on the stove, it's fine. <laughs> but it, <laughs> you, you say it's all mechanical and, and, and whatnot from that. You can still enjoy it, though. Or do, do you by, at some point not enjoy it at all, like any other job? I completely shut off during the entire thing. For me, right. it was more uh, job. Mm-hmm. It was... I had to do this, to do that, to do this, to do that, and then it was over. Mm. Okay, so when you when you came out of social work, it said it you t- you said that it was it had been a, a fair chunk of time before you were able to get back into the kink scene and, and yeah. things like that. How did you find your way back into that side of things? Um, I reactivated my FetLife account. We all love FetLife. We do. And I noticed that there were several groups in the Waikato and that the Waikato TNG needed a new venue. And I had just started running a bar that was a perfect new venue. So I discussed with them to come in and check it out. And from there on, I met everybody. Easy as that. Yeah, I didn't play. Even now, I've only played a couple of times in the whole time. So that's it's about 10 months mm. since I entered the kink scene. And so, that, so that's a good that's a good two years it took you to get to step back into it. I wanted to be in full control of my mind. I needed to be aware so I didn't compromise anybody. Yeah, I didn't sure. want to associate during a scene because I'm predominantly a dom. So you've you've got to be aware. You've got to be focusing. Hmm. Absolutely, believe me, I know. <laughs> um, I've had uh, one or two play sessions where I wasn't completely into it. Uh, my mind wasn't into it, I should say. Yeah. And it's. It becomes unenjoyable, and you, especially when you're stepping back into a scene, and it's going to be people that you don't really, really know in that way. You exactly. Don't, you don't want to give off that negative connotation on your first few meetings or anything like that. So, I would say that it was very, very clever of you to do that and make sure that you're in the exact right spot to to be able to move back into it. It's just, I didn't want to cause grievous bodily harm to anybody. <laughs> we all know that that's an offence. Well, technically, um, a single spanking is an offence. Because it's oh, assault. Yes. But grievous bodily harm is easier to prove because it requires medical attention. Yeah. So that's why when I was a pro-dom, my waivers did not state that they consented to abuse because you legally can't consent to abuse. No. It just said that you were aware it was going to happen. Yeah. So it, it basically comes along the lines of RAC, risk-aware consensual kink. Exactly. And working or not working, that should be something that people always use. Yeah. I've talked about it a lot in my last couple of episodes. I've done just done two episodes. I don't know if you've listened to them on, like, um, basically edge play, different kinds of edge play. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, and so there's been blood, needles, knives, 
Um, what else? Electro, funnily enough. Because <laughs> uh, we all know that I'm a bit of an electro whore. Um, Fireplay, and the episode after this one is going to be the final episode, and it's going to be around the consensual non-consent side of things, which kind of needs a full episode to itself to go through everything that's involved with that and the science yeah. behind it and the dangers and and there's been yeah there's been a whole bunch of just risk aware stuff and I actually thought that they were quite boring episodes as I was listening back through them but I sat there and went but it's so fucking informative and and there's so much stuff here that people might not quite click onto for example using a tens machine you're crossing the center line of your body with your two electrodes people don't understand that the 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 electricity actually travels between those two electrodes if you put it on either side of your chest for example that's going straight through all your vital organs and shit can get fucked up stuff but, that we would consider basic knowledge but unless you've been told or you've been able to research yourself you're not going to know yeah exactly exactly and and with that um comes knowledge and training and practice and and all that sort of what would could be considered boring stuff but necessary things when you go into it as well it's fundamentals yeah. building blocks aren't always fun no i don't know why fundamentals are called that because they're never fun no they're fun and they're making mental yeah <laughs> or they're fun to the mentals i don't know yeah, it's I don't know. I'm really... too invested in that. <laughs> so, you said that you're mo pretty much a dominant, a D-type. Primarily, but I can switch with the right person. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah. <laughs> can't think of who that might be. Um, anyway. Um, I've never clue, goodness. Well, no? I can't even, I, I can't see anything, so I don't even know if I'm talking to a person right now. Goodness. No, you're not. I'm just a blob. No. Enigma. Cool. On the fire starter. <laughs> Twisted fire starter. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so you've broken out in song twice, once more, and you get a spanking. Lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you had to see that coming. I will be down south at some point. I will. <laughs> yeah, that was meant to happen not long ago as well. Yeah. But what happened? Oh, that's right. That That really reliable car situation. No, it was actually my work. It was your work. It was work. Yes. It doesn't start back until the semester. So I plan my finances poorly because I have no responsibility with my finances. Oh, and I ran out of money. Where'd that come from? No idea. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we said that you're predominantly uh, on the dominant side. Yes. But you can switch. What are some of your kinks? What are you into? I'm into a lot of edge play. I, I like needles. I like knives. I do like blood play. It's... A pretty taboo bunch of kinks if you're yep. in a small community. And I face that a lot here. But electro is always fun. And <laughs> more people are interested in trying things because they can see something and it's not invasive. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, but it isn't. And it's more it, approachable. I think it's really interesting that people find electro non-invasive when you're sending <laughs> electrical pulses through people's blood and veins and and through their body and through their muscles 
it's I don't think it gets any more invasive. And especially if you you know you do the you got a tens machine, you put it on the arm and you make them hit themselves in the face. Like, <laughs> I haven't done that. It's I so don't... so so good. I'm going to make so somebody do that. I'm going to have to. Or, That's fantastic. Or you get them to try and hold their hand down by their side, and then you send the pulses, and it looks like they're jacking themselves off. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yep. <laughs> the simple pleasures of life, am I right? Completely. Yeah. Electrocuting people and making them look like they're masturbating. Yes. <laughs> and and then making them hit themselves in the face and telling them stop hitting yourself. That's just childhood, but grown up. Yeah. <laughs> we are adults. Uh, yeah. We are. We're, yeah. We are of legal age to be talking about these things. <laughs> the terrifying thing is that we're making making light of making people punch themselves in the face, yet we're the ones that inflict a lot of pain. Uh, a lot of pain consensually on other people and uh, have to be mature enough to be able to know where the limits are and and know exactly where to stop and know our subs well enough to know that they're not going to know when to stop. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's a big one that people don't often think about is that when you're in the throes of a scene, the adrenaline level is so high and the endorphin release is so high that the the sub is on such a cloud nine. They're in their subspace. They oh Jesus, they completely they don't know where their limit is anymore. And they'll just keep going and going and going and it'll get ramped up and up and up. And it's the, it's the, 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 can't think of the word, but the dominant needs to know what's happening in that situation and where that line is. The, the problem with that is with a lot of new subs is you don't know where that line is and they don't know where that line is. Exactly. So you've got to ease them into it. Yeah. Even as brief as 10 minutes can be just enough. So it, this is what I find funny about this is that we've never played, right? But I can guarantee that you wouldn't go easy on me and probably vice versa. Cause I've both... seen your toy kit. I, I know you can take it. <laughs> and the, the, the funny thing about this is that I'm naturally dominant as well. So we would have some terrific, terrific fights. Trying or to tantrums. <laughs> why, why not both? But there, there, there would be some, and it wouldn't just be physical between us either, because we're both, you know, reasonably intelligent people, and we'd You've both gotta have stimulation. Yeah, we, we would have the most ridiculous mind games between each other to see who could, you know, basically have this this mental wrestling match and see who comes out on top and who's pinning who at its own, at any given time. It'd be fantastic. Would <laughs> it would probably in the world? <laughs> probably actually. <laughs> It'd be it'd be fucking entertaining while it happened though, wouldn't it? Would we sell tickets? I think we'd have to. Would that mean that I'm re-entering the sex industry though? Because that would be porn. It would depend if there was actual sexual activity involved. Yeah, fair point. Because a lot of kink doesn't have that. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. Fucking got you with that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be two people trying to beat the shit out of each other and mentally rolling around on a mat. Crying with laughter every so often. Yes. Snorting with laughter. Snarfling. It's fine. Snarfling. 
snorting and laughing. Have you never heard that? No. I don't. I don't snort. I I do if I'm laughing hard enough. I do. I I never snort. I've never once snorted through laughter. Snuffling for you. (laughs) Such a ridiculous word. That's why I love it. Great. (laughs) Fantastic. Um. It used to be one of my safe words for someone. Snarfling. Yeah, snarfling. Oh, what's that on your deck? And harder. <laughs> They're the three best ones. <laughs> harder as a safe word. Yep. That was fantastic. Jesus Christ. Because that couldn't get misconstrued at all. And well, they'd have to read a fucking thesaurus and figure out other words for harder. <laughs> so they're learning. It's good for them. Thruster. Thruster? <laughs> Warp speed. Be, you need to be. You need to be quite a bit thrustier, sir. Overdrive. Overdrive. What is this? Back to the Future. Hey, hey that was a good film. It was good. A good film. There was like fucking seven of them. I've only seen the first, so it's fine. Okay then. I don't commit to things like that. Yeah. I don't only commit. <laughs> But it's funny you say that because you're in a relationship at the moment, aren't you? Yes, and that was a bit of an accident, but it's a comfortable accident. Do tell. Well, I got drunk with my flatmate on New Year's. And then it happened. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the interesting thing about this is um, not even that long ago, you were... I don't want to say you were polyamorous, but you realised that you were a non-monogamous type. Probably within yeah. the last year or so, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I still identify as non-monogamous, but I'm in a monogamous relationship, just to confuse you. So by nature, I can have multiple people in my life, but right now I choose to have this one. Mm-hmm. And that would probably confuse a lot of people. You'd get the monogamous people saying, oh, cool, you're monogamous, but... You hey, hey, it's just like thing. bisexuals. Oh, you're dating a man. You're you're straight. Same I, paint, I, different brush. I, I wouldn't be straight if I dated a man. No, but same thing. Like, <laughs> oh, you're gay, you're dating a man. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have gotten that more than more than my fair share, I think. Um, and I, mainly because people don't... Like, my look is not somebody who is bisexual. I don't look like somebody who's, you know... Is the, mine, though? You're, you're quintessential. Why would you judge somebody by it? People do, though. You know that people do. Are you referring to the more androgynous style of look or particular styles that indicate that? Stereotypes. Okay, yeah, that works. Yeah, I don't fit into a stereotypical person who likes multiple genders. And that when people find out that I do, it's just sort of like, really, what the... You know, this is bullshit. So you you look like a straight dude if you you should be dating people who are, you know, female or whatever. And you just sit there and you're like... Well, you're only allowed to play with this genitalia because you look like this. Yeah, exactly. And you sit there and go, well, <laughs> no, I like people. Yeah, that's the way I describe it as well. Is it's just people. It's not a particular identifying factor in either gender. It's just people. Mm. So being, being a 
somebody who identifies as polyamorous. Going back into the conversation that we're actually fucking talking about. Um, <laughs> moving into a monogamous relationship as a polyamorous person or somebody who identifies as polyamorous, what are some of the struggles? What are some of the good things? What? Are, how did this happen? How did you make this decision? Oh, I'm just confused. Well, I chose to keep that human. So that's kind of how it started. Keep but that we... human? Yes. <laughs> well, he's some sort of pet. No, no. Maybe. But it was... It just became very comfortable and we realized it was something that we could continue with. So we thought we'd do it properly. But yeah. being poly, you're normally more self-aware. You you pick up more communication skills. You become a lot more open with your speech. Definitely. Um, you find ways to communicate. You also respect personal space because quite often if you're dating someone that's poly and they live with their partner, you understand that that partner is part of their life as well. Yeah. So it's just greater understanding overall. But it's... It's a bit of a challenge in a monogamous style relationship because a lot of these people haven't been exposed to that. They've never had to communicate like that. Yeah. They sometimes can develop unhealthy emotional connections to people and their emotional needs have to come from that individual. That's not what happened in this case, but it has happened in the past. Right. And it's, it's somewhat humbling because it reminds me that you know, everybody's the same. You've just got to figure out ways to communicate. Like, I don't talk face-to-face -face well with people. I talk better through Messenger or text. And it's easier to communicate that way. I can talk more about everything. And this is interesting. Um, I did, a, I think it was a three-part series on online relationships. And it's interesting that it's easier to talk over text and whatnot because you can think about what you're saying. You know, you, there's that buffer there where you, you're not expected to respond instantly. Yes. Um, and you can think through everything. But the other side of it is that you're only actually getting 6% of what the other person's putting out. Yeah, you don't get the body language. You don't no. see the eye movements. No, exactly. And that's 94% of, of people talking. Even, even us now, we're on webcam. I can see you quite well. You can, yeah, I'm a blob on a screen. I can uh, somewhat see, it's fine. Yeah, but there's still a lot more that you can see and understand um, rather than us just doing this through text or or whatever, right? Definitely, yeah. And But even now, there's still going to be some things that aren't picked up on even though we can see each other. It's yeah. It's only in that true sort of one-on-one -on -one thing where that that communication is either there or it's not. And that can depend on the people involved. And it seems like you and your current partner have got that communication there now. Yeah, we do. And it's it's good considering we've – New Year's wasn't that long ago. We were, what, mid-February? Mm -hmm. So to communicate with somebody on such a good level like that after six weeks is amazing. Yeah, it's it's freaking awesome. Um, and the other part of, of this relationship, you've, you've sort of – I don't want to say given up, but you've sort of um, – colluded together and you're not so much going into the kink side of things with him either, right? Um, not yet. Um, <laughs> that, it will be that, something that he looks change. at. I myself am a very complex and intimidating person and it takes quite a lot of time for somebody to, to understand that I'm no bullshit. I speak my mind. If I'm feeling something, I say it. I don't skirt around uncomfortable topics. A lot of people will get a bit taken aback by that. 
Mm-hmm. And it takes a while to get used to someone first, and then you can build trust. Yeah. Trust doesn't come instantly. It's not straight out of the packet like noodles. So you've got to build that before you go anywhere near kink with a partner because if yeah. they're with you, they are just with you. Yeah. So they'll learn from talking to people, but they won't play with others. And then you are the only person that they're going to have that experience with. So you need to not just meet their needs, but look after your own self. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the thought is that you will eventually move into something like that, though, is it now? Yes, he's very intelligent. And there's, there's another side under there, I am fairly certain. The smile on your face there is fucking <laughs> by the way. <laughs> that was po- arguably one of the most devious faces I've ever seen you put on. Just my face. That, that, was, that was not just your face, <laughs> and we both know that. But it's, yeah, no, it, it will happen. Yeah, so the, the other strange thing that's sort of come into this, and I just remembered it now, you said when how you, you guys got together that you got drunk with your flatmate. Yeah, and he is my flatmate. How does that work? Is it just... How, well, many, how we, many of you are in the flat? <laughs> there are four of us in the flat. Right. So his room is at the farthest end from the house from mine, so we have a is. lot of space. And that's really handy. My room's better. <laughs> of course it is. But um, we hit it at first, and it felt really awkward. I felt... Not quite shameful, but something similar to what I was doing. But I had feelings already at that point, so I knew I had to keep it up. And when we finally told our flatmates about it, they'd already figured it out. Of course they had. They, they probably heard you. They weren't home a lot of the time. They were on holiday. They would have heard you. <laughs> From Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. You're not but the quietest was... of people. I'm learning. <laughs> we go camping now. I have to learn. We're in a tent. <laughs> oh, yeah. How's the whole tent thing for you? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to convert a van. It's going to be more comfortable, I think. <laughs> anyway, continue on. That, by, the time you, <laughs> by the time you told them, they'd already figured it out. Yeah, so we, we're quite introverted people as it is, and that was very handy because if either of us are in each other's room, mostly we communicate by messenger. So we still keep our safe space as our own. Mm-hmm. He sleeps mostly in my room, mostly because it's summer. His room's the hottest in the house, and I have a king-size bed. So right. I can kick him over to the other side quite easily. <laughs> but it's this, there are still those boundaries in place. And yeah. that's the most important thing is when you start seeing somebody and the dynamic changes from one of friendly to one of intimacy. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's, it's very easy to get obsessed to yeah. become infatuated, to dive in, and then to not respect each other's boundaries because you just feel like you've got these emotional or physical needs that need to be met at that time. Especially when you're living together. <laughs> yeah, and there are other people to consider as well because you don't want to make anything uncomfortable for your flatmates. No, shouldn't I? And they seem okay with it. No one's had any problems so far. <laughs> but it's the most crucial thing, I think, is keeping that space. Yeah. And and I guess if you're having <laughs> if you're having dramas in that sort of situation... Not to include the other flatmates. No, not at all. And, and, and not, it's, and, it's challenging. One of my flatmates is my best friend, so. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's good to have sounding boards, though. People you can go for a drive to and chat in a safe environment about that kind of thing, and then you drive home. Yeah. Five, ten minutes, it's good. It gives you time to decompress and to think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. 
Anyway, I, I've kept you for quite a while now. Um, we we probably talked for about half an hour or so before this uh, before this episode happened. So it's it's now been well over well over an hour and a half um, that we've been. Yeah, but good banter. It's good. I'm not a clock watcher anymore. It's fine. <laughs> See, I I, I am now. <laughs> I, that, well, here's the thing with this podcast. It was originally meant to be an hour long. That that was it. it was an hour boom sweet done. After my first few episodes, I realised that that was just not going to happen. It's not going to be organic. It's not okay. going to flow. No, I've had like nine uh, ninety minute ones. You know, ones that almost went for two hours. I've had ones that are just under an hour. It's sort of gone all over the place. But it's still I still try and keep it around that sort of hour mark. And and we've we've gone over that. We've gone over that now. Um, are you watching a clock? Yeah, I was looking. <laughs> Ah, uh, not a clock watcher. Well, I had to look at the number. You mentioned it was well over an hour, so I was just wondering how far over. Yeah, it's not that, actually. I have to charge you for this. You know that, right? You're over your one-hour time. Oh, no, yeah, no, cool story. <laughs> you, you can pick it up when you come down to Christchurch. You just wait. Well, I, well if you well, tell me where you live. <laughs> Dave fucking lives here. Yeah, that's why he'll tell me where you live. <laughs> That's the exact moment when Christchurch is going to have to watch the fuck out for whatever it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm mono right now, so you're quite safe. Things can change. <laughs> you sound so hopeful. Um, no, it's not hopeful. I'm just stating fact. Things can change. Oh, yes, they certainly can. Yeah. I'm a very flexible person with my structure in my life, and I love to look that way. Yeah, which is... Absolutely wonderful. But anyway, thank you very, very much for, for coming on and, and talking about all of your experiences and all of your stuff. It's been quite enlightening. Glyph is staring at me like he's a freaking tart at the moment. <laughs> but um, no, again, thank you very, very much for coming on. It's been really interesting. Catch you. Thanks for having me.